Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Well, if you're a Braves fan, you're happy that the Braves are playing potentially tonight for the World Championship, Championship of the World Series. And as a longtime Braves fan, I'm looking forward to that. It's be the last, they've not won one since 1995. And uh, I'm a longtime Braves fan. In fact, my, I used to watch games with my dad when cable finally arrived on the scene, before the big three channels, or after the big three channels. And um, before that, would listen on the radio at night, uh, sometimes late into the night, uh, at, and this, you, you're gonna have to be an old timer to recognize Milo Hamilton used to be the manager of the Braves. And Ernie Johnson, senior, not Ernie Johnson with TBS now, but his dad was the play-by-play voice of the Braves back then. Uh, Players like Cleet Boyer and uh, Philippe Alou and uh, other names nobody recognizes anymore. But I, I remember those old days and listening to those games. And before those guys can stand up to the plate tonight, they got to suit up. They got to, of course, they don't wear a cloth hat to the plate to, to bat, hopefully, but uh, they, they suit up with whatever uniforms we're going to be wearing tonight before they stand up to the plate to swing at the pitch, to change the game potentially. They gotta suit up before they stand up. That same idea is what I wanna close this idea of our, our being contrary and in contrast to the woke crowd in the sense that the church needs to be more woke. The church needs to be awakened to what's going on in our culture and aware of the battle that we're in. I shared with you in week number one, if you remember that we are in a war for the soul of America. We're in a war for the values that you and I hold dear and if you're not aware of it yet, those are under attack. And they're under attack by some of, some of the woke culture that we find ourselves uh, doing cultural battles with, at least, if not physical sometimes. But uh, how do we do that? How do we stand against this, arm, this, this uh, uh, onslaught of what used to be verbal and subversive attack, which is now turned physical, and it's in your face, and it's, it's, it's one-on-one sometimes. It's, it's certainly in front of us uh, and all around of us. How do we wage that kind of battle and, and win effectively? We turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and I want us to look today at the armor of God in verses 10 through 18. I want us to see eight things from this text today. We're going to have to move pretty fast, so you're going to have to listen fast, okay? Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all God's people. Now, as I said, eight things today I want us to glean from this text. The first of which is this. Taking a stand requires understanding the enemy. And by the way, our kids point kids are, have been studying this, this uh, full armor of God study for the past several weeks. So we're kind of mirroring what they're doing here this morning. But we've got to recognize and understand the enemy. Look at 11 and 12 with me again. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. Watch for our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Understanding your enemy is probably 80% of winning the battle. It's a huge part for us to understand what, what and who we're up against. Our enemy our, and our adversary is not the political left. It's not radical Islam. It's not Anthony Fauci. In fact, it's not anybody with skin on. Your enemy and mine is the devil. He has a name. It's Lucifer, Satan, the, the son of the morning, the scripture calls him. He's a liar, and the scripture says he's, he's the father of every lie. He's the motivation, he's the source, he's the core behind everything this woke pagan culture is, is throwing at us. And, and uh, don't let any, anyone or anything else tell you any different from that. He is the source, he is our opponent. Now, in this battle, the winner is the one left standing. In fact, the word stand appears five times in, in the first few verses here. Why do you think that's the case? Because it's a battle that's going to knock you down if you're not ready to stand. It's a battle that's going to come against you heavily if you're not ready for what's coming against you and ready mentally, physically, and spiritually for what's about to happen. He does that, I think, so that we can learn to to, to stand and uh, eventually have to give, so that we don't, we don't eventually have to give way to our positions and give way to the things that we believe and hold and know to be true. Uh, this is, as I said, a battle over values. It's a battle over morality. And the winners in the end are going to be the one left standing. It's, it's, uh, it's also about uh, our objective here is to, is to not only be left standing, but to take a stand where we, where we have opportunity to take a stand. Secondly, not only is taking a stand requiring our understanding of the enemy, but it requires the belt of truth. Look at the first part of verse 14. It says there, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Two weeks ago, we talked about living in a truth vacuum. And how our culture is uh, heading to this precipice where all truth is relative. There's nothing absolute anymore. No absolute truth. In fact, absolute truth is challenged. If you believe anything is absolutely true all the time for everyone. It's questions. It's, it's nullified. We looked at 2 Timothy, if you remember chapter 4, verse 3, which says, For the time will come when, when men won't believe sound doctrine anymore. And in, instead, they'll search for themselves to, have, to find teachers who teach what their itching ears want to hear. And as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, that day is this day. We are standing and living in those times when uh, teachers are t- telling us what we want to hear as, as opposed to what's the truth. That day's here. And the bulk of this argument in our culture centers around human rights or civil rights. Uh, if you'll notice that to be true in, in the media, th- that's, that's, the, that's probably 80% of this battle is, is around this idea of human rights or civil rights. You want to know what the Bible says about your rights? Let me share it with you from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, 
I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself up for me. Those are your rights. To be crucified daily. To be put to death daily. In your walk with him. Uh, we, are, we are such a rights-driven culture. And the only right you and I have is to hell, to be honest with you. And God redeems us from that. And makes us something because of himself and because of his work of bloodshed on the cross. Um, this, this, this whole culture is trying to define our rights in a different way. And this, what this book says is absolute, whether we like it or not, or whether we agree with it or not. It's the truth that matters. This, this uh, battle, though, is unwinnable without a clear, a clear objective. And the objective is that when all is said and done, the truth is left standing whether we are or not, or whether we agree with it or not. It's more important than anything we have to have to say or do or, or handle or dispense. Thirdly, taking a stand requires the breastplate of righteousness. Look at the last part of verse 14. He says there, truth buckle around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness in place. Righteousness, as I've shared with you before, is defined, is best defined as rightness or our being on the right side of truth, the right side of the issue, the biblical side of the issue. Put another way, it's, it's both believing uh, that we're on the right side and, and believing and being on the right side of this battle uh, between rightness and wrongness. Uh, if that's true, then it's, 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 it's essential that folks just don't know where we stand, but why we stand there. And that's far, even more important to the generation behind you and the generation behind the, them, is the more we know about why we need to engage in this battle and what, what this is about, literally. Uh, it's not important that the generations behind us know that so they can poke and prod and pick a, pick a fight. It's important that they know that so that they know what is worth fighting for and what isn't. What to let go of, what to, what, what to hang on to with a white knuckle grip. If they don't learn that from you and I, this culture is not going to teach it to them. They need to know what to fight for, what to stand for, and what not to. That's why this battle is so important and why the, the, the breastplate of righteousness or of rightness, we need to be fitted with that. So it's, that's extremely important. Third, fourthly, not only does taking a stand require understanding the enemy, the belt of truth be girded around our, our waist it requires the breastplate of righteousness but fourthly it requires the boots of the gospel taking a stand requires the boots of the gospel look at verse 15 he says there and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace this verse is in essence talking about three things it's talking about our knowledge and experience of the gospel message of Jesus love for us and his love for the world, of knowing that to be true and having experienced it ourselves. Secondly, it's about our readiness to share it, and that's kind of twofold. Readiness to share it being our ability to tell our story of how knowing him and having experienced the gospel has changed us both now and for eternity. And secondly, it talks about the readiness to take the scripture and unwrap the gospel to a person who is ready to receive it. Unwrapping the gospel spiritually and biblically to someone who's ready to receive it. Thirdly, it's speaking to our willingness to actually go, to get in motion, to have a burden for those around you who are lost, who don't know Christ. Romans 10:15 says this, How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Sooner or later, folks, we've got to move. 
we can't stay here in the walls of this church or in the walls of your home and understand that those around us are needing Jesus. The verse, Romans 10 to 15 says, as we go, God will bless. And he's not talking in that verse about blessing how much we know. He's talking about blessing how often we go. Meaning the more movement we have and the more we engage this culture around us, the more we see and experience the blessings of God. Those four things. The fifth thing is this. Taking a stand requires the shield of faith. Look at verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which, watch this, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When we go with the truth on the right side, it's not a matter of if, but when we come under attack. If you're going to actually do something and move beyond complacency, you're going to come under attack. Count on it. Notice also that these attacks are described as flaming arrows, meaning that they aren't just designed to shut us up. They're designed to annihilate us. A, a, a normal arrow will take us out of the battle and get us, get us on the sideline or, or hurt or wounded some way. A flaming arrow not only takes us out of the battle, but consumes, burns us up as if we were never there before so that our influence is snuffed out and gone. It's a serious battle. That's, that's why he's using serious language there. If we're going to win this battle, we're going to need the roots of our faith to remind us, get this, that he is our defender. He is our protector. He is our provider. The more mileage and the more experience we have in going, the quicker those reminders from the Holy Spirit that he is our provider and our protector come, come to our mind. Uh, he, he talks about there about his, his coming to our defense. Now, sometimes his coming to our defense means giving us the words to say in the moment that, that they need to be said, the way they need to be said. Sometimes it may mean, may mean the body coming around us to, to, to rally around us, to, to give us support and encouragement in the battle. But the Holy Spirit is faithful to come to our defense. Uh, it's, it's the body coming together. Either way, our best defense is knowing that our faith is in our defender, not in what we know, not in what we've experienced, not in how sharp we can articulate the, 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 the words and the message, but he is our defender. It's important that we know that. That's, that's what the shield of faith means. Six, sixth thing is this, is that taking a stand requires the helmet of salvation. Look at the first part of verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Take the helmet of salvation, meaning it's sitting there. You've got to grab it. You've got to get it and put it on. Looks nice on the shelf. There's salvation. I've got salvation. Thank God for that. Going to heaven when I die. That's not all there is to it. He's saying, get it, put it on, wear it, engage it in the battle. Engage it as a part of who you are and what you believe. <coughs> I've ridden motorcycles. <coughs> and I played football. Both of those require a helmet. You know why I wore, my, wore a helmet when I rode a motorcycle and why I wore a helmet when I played football? Because I've wrecked a motorcycle and been hit in the head with football. I knew, the, I knew you need a helmet for the battle, to, to engage the battle. Many believers don't even realize what they need, what their needs are, and how this, this story of salvation, of God saving us, is, is a great part of the, the story of how we defend ourselves. Uh, this attack from the enemy, I think, we, because we need the helmet, or we need the helmet because he's, he's coming after our minds and attacking our minds, attacking, uh, causing us at least to doubt and at worst to run and give up, head in the other direction. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that spiritual battles, and, and in fact, some of it can turn physical and emotional as well, but the spiritual battles are won and lost in the mind. 
that's where we engage the enemy first because he, he, he attacks our mind uh, initially out of the gate. And if he can get our mind, he's got the rest of our body and the rest of our attitudes and our, and our mindset and our spirit will follow what, what, what we believe and what we think. What you believe and what you know is true is most important. And that's most important because the enemy is coming after your mind. I'm going to tell you he's coming after your mind. That's why you need the helmet of salvation, of knowing that you're, who you belong to and what you believe. Seventh thing is this. Is it requires the sword of the scripture. Look at the last part of verse 17. Uh, not only the helmet of salvation, but the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Sword of the spirit, which is, is the word of God. If you'll notice, this is the only offensive weapon in the arsenal. The only one. The rest are all defensive weapons meant to protect us. Another thing to notice is there's, there's nothing to protect your back. Anything on your, on your backside, meaning there's no option to turn and run. You, you face the, the opponent that's in front of you. You don't bail out. You don't turn and run because there's no back, backward protection for you. This, this, though, is the only offensive weapon that we have. And it's the only one we're, we're to go on the attack with. And the Word of God should be a part of every answer we give to counter the attack on what you and I believe and know to be true in this culture. It's not even our opinions about what the Word says that matters. It's what the Word says itself. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll get it in, in the, into the conversation, get, it, get the Scripture into the conversation, get the Scripture into the marketplace, it'll take care of itself. I guarantee you the Lord will honor it, bless it, move it, change people's minds and hearts with it. It's fine for you to believe what you believe about it, but your belief about it is not even what matters. It's what the Word says. So if we'll learn to speak it and get it into the vernacular of our culture, in the conversations at work, in the conversations about things that matter, God will see to the fact that he, in fact, he promises in his word to bless his word every time it's presented. He'll not let it return void. So get his word in, in, into, the play, into the marketplace. It's, it is our sword. It, it is our only means of, of effective <clears throat> offense is the scripture. Finally, taking a stand requires the spirit of prayer. Look at verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert <clears throat> and always keep on praying for all God's people. Prayer, honestly as well, is both an offensive and defensive weapon. God can use it to protect us and those we love. He can also use it to stop the arrows of the enemy and push him back as well. Notice here also in verse 18, it says to pray <clears throat> for all God's people, meaning we're to remember we're not in this battle alone. None of us face this battle alone. We're, we're encamped by those around us, the scripture says, with those who are, who are sharing and going through similar battles in, in, in this world and in our culture. Uh, we're, we're together. So how do we pray? What do we pray for? Well, turn back a page, I guess, if you will, so in your scripture to Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 14 and 15 with me. It says, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look at verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Be alert, uh, wake up. So be aware of your surroundings because the days are evil. We're living in those days. And I'm going to tell you, this culture has <clears throat> already won battle after battle. This battle began as best as I can recollect. The battle that we're in today began as best as I can recollect and find in the late 50s and early 60s. It came to fruition 
in many ways in, in the late 60s and early 70s when those who, who would seek to subvert, subvert your values of what you and I believe to be true about the scripture and about God when, when inroads began to be made into our school systems and prayer in the scripture was removed from schools it came to a pinnacle in 1973 with Roe v. Wade and I asked my parents uh, as, as I've shared this with you before uh, several years after the fact, after I discovered the significance of that decision, I said, where was the church? And where were you guys? You know why this, <clears throat> you know why this battle is so important? Because you need to have an answer when your kids and grandkids ask you, where were you guys? What happened? This, 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 this bit of incremental uh, depravity really is what it is. Where were you when, this, when all this depravity was, was taking place and, and the woke crowd told the rest of us what we're supposed to believe and how we're supposed to live and act? Where were you guys? Where, where was the stand? Where was the church? We need to have an answer for them. We need to have an answer that, that we, we took a stand and, and stood on the word of God and the scripture because here's what I want to close with. And I, want you, I want this to sink into you is that the American church needs to get woke to the fact that there are forces coming against us those forces are serious about destroying us. They're serious about negating the, the authority and, and, the, and the authenticity of Scripture. They're serious about not only marginalizing you and I, but getting rid of us altogether. That's what this idea of flaming arrows means. Uh, this is a serious thing to them, and we need to get woke. We need to wake up to the battle that you're, you and I are in and, and, and be aware that we're in it and, and engage as, as a part of it, not just ignore it. Because our faith doesn't just hang in the balance. It doesn't hang in the balance at all. But our spiritual, uh, our spiritual freedoms and our religious freedoms do. Your faith can't be stolen from you. If you have faith in Jesus as your Savior, nobody can take that away from you. So, so your faith is not what hangs in the balance. But the religious and spiritual freedoms you and I enjoy in this country do hang in the balance. And it's important for, as I say, for those coming behind us, we need to have an answer for them if we engaged in the battle and the Word of God won. It'll win every time if we get it out there, get get. Learn, learn to speak it, learn to memorize it, learn to speak it, learn to bring its truths into situations in life. It'll speak for itself, and God will bless it and honor it over and over again. But we need to arm up in order to stand up. Let's arm up and stand up. Let's pray. Father, here today we find ourselves, most of us in this room are, and sometimes feel, ill-equipped. I don't know enough scripture. I'm not eloquent enough with word. I don't, I don't have enough together uh, as far as my influence is concerned to, to, to make a difference in others' lives. And would you, would you cause that, that lie this morning to, to be realized as to where it's from and who authored it? It's from the pit of hell and it's authored by our enemy, the devil. We know enough if we know you as Savior to change the world. That's all those 12 knew who were walking with you. They knew Jesus. They watched what he did. They bore evidence to the, to the truth. We know enough to win those in our world around us. We need to engage in the battle that's coming against us to negate our voice, to, to silence us, and to get us totally not just out of the game, but out of the stadium, totally out of the way. Help us to realize that, and the generations behind us depend on where we stand and how we stand today. It's an important thing. Help us to get woke to this truth, to wake up for the church to, to, to become alive, for, for a revival to occur, for our hearts to be changed, for those around us to hear our story and the gospel story as well. Do that in us and through us this week, this week. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 